if you have a Bible, um, we're going to look at a lot of stuff today. <laughs> we're going to bounce around. So if you have a Bible, if you want to start in Romans chapter 8, that's where we'll start. I guarantee you we're going to be in like nine other passages or something like that. So, you know, maybe adjust the spine of your book or if you're using it electronically, get your thumb warmed up because we're going to bounce around. 2023, for me personally, has not exactly been my favorite year. On the personal side, 2023 has meant dealing with a few big things. My cancer and the, and the surgery to remove it seemed to make that list for me. My mom dying on Easter Sunday would make that list. The selling of my parents' home, all of those are pretty huge events in my life. Not to mention that there have been sort of some what have felt like sort of bigger than normal work challenges. You know, when you lose two of your coworkers on basically the exact same day, and there's not that many of your coworkers. It's not like there was a hundred people and we lost two. It it impacted. It it made a difference. As those kinds of things combine, that stuff combined as the year went on. I found myself really forced to wrestle, not just with stuff that was going on around me, but very much stuff that was going on and several issues literally in my soul. And through a variety of different ways, in part because some of you were trying to be gracious, sometimes it didn't feel gracious when you'd ask me, how are you reflecting on this? I'll be honest, I hate to reflect. And people would keep asking me those questions, so it's like, I guess I have to reflect, and I don't do that well. I, I don't do it very easily. And as the year unfolded and different things would come along, it's like, I'm like, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. And I found myself in this trying to reflect, trying to process through, was questions kept coming up, questions like, how do I approach life now? How do I do this? And, and another question that kept coming up is like, what would be the right or best response now? Given what's coming at me, what would be the right thing? My wife knows this. I'll be honest, I felt this incredible urge to cower. I wanted to climb under my desk and hide and pretend that this year was just a bad dream and eventually I'd wake up and it would be done and all of it would just be a bad dream. 364 days is a really long bad dream. and <laughs> hoping today's better. But that wasn't an option. I also found that I wanted to whine. And in our house, we told our kids, we don't hear whining, and so I can't whine because no one will hear me if I whine. So that wasn't an option. I found myself wondering, could I be negative or could I be unpleasant? And then I started wondering, have I been negative? Have I been unpleasant? I'm like, I don't think those are good things. As I mentioned in the last Thursday thought on Thursday, I've been challenged by a lot of different parts of Scripture, and one of those challenges came out of Romans 8 for me. Romans 8 has been described as the sparkle of the diamond of Scripture. In essence, it is kind of considered by some to be the ultimate chapter in the Bible. We can debate that, but arguably it is a very rich chapter. It's a very sweet chapter. It's a chapter that can meet us in all kinds of moments. 
because I'm often called Captain Obvious, let me just say this. Romans was written to followers of Jesus in Rome. I don't know if you knew that, but that's the obvious thing. That's how it was written. And by followers of Jesus, what we mean by that is Paul was writing to people who had repented of their sins and had trusted the Lord Jesus alone as their Savior. They were looking to Jesus as their hope, as their security. And as Romans chapter 8 unfolds, Paul will pick up on the fact that not everything in life is wonderful. And near the end of the chapter, he will write to them. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is going to write to some people who are facing some things that I think arguably you could say is really hard stuff. And yet in challenging them to face their hard stuff, he is going to give them an identity. He's going to say, this is who you are. And I think it's not what you and I would normally expect given what they're going through. Romans chapter 8, verse 35 to verse 37 read this way. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, notice this, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. What an amazing truth. Paul is describing people. They're experiencing tribulation. They're experiencing distress and persecution and famine and nakedness. And I'm going to guess none of us would sign up and say, hey, could that be my tribute in life? Could that be what happens in my life? Could I have those things? If you and I experience that kind of stuff in 2023, we might be saying, I think I'm losing at life. I'm not winning. And yet, how are people in that situation described? Who are followers of Christ? We are more than conquerors. doesn't matter what we are facing. He is telling us, Paul is telling us, the authority of God's word is telling us we are more than conquerors. The challenge of those verses really, in that sense, say, Lloyd, instead of cowering, instead of wanting to whine, instead of wanting to be negative or unpleasant and all those things, there's a much better response you can have to what you went through in 2023. There's a much better response you can have in 2024, and that is this, to live as a conqueror to live out the identity that you have been given in the Lord Jesus. If you've trusted Christ, folks, you are more than a conqueror. And we need to face 2024 by living that out. But how do we do that? I mean, how, how do you and I live with confidence and courage and, and in a way that we're contributing to other people when life coming at us is tough? Well, to answer that question, what I want to do is just take the next 25, 28, something like that minutes to talk about sort of three approaches, a three-pronged approach to life so you and I really can live as conquerors. If you want to turn with me to Joshua 23, the first approach we need to have in our lives, if we're going to live as conquerors, is we need to cling to Jesus. We need to cling to Jesus. Late in his life, Joshua called together 
the leaders of Israel because he kind of wanted to download to them one more message. In essence, he wanted to give them a charge. He knows he's leaving, he's going to die, and he wants to give them a charge. And a part of his charge is something I think we need to receive this morning. It needs to be our approach to 2024. Joshua 23, verse 8 says this, But you shall cling to the Lord your God, just as you have done this day. Now, the idea of the word cling in verse 8 is to hold fast or, or to be glued to. You know, a repeated lesson that I feel like God kept putting in front of me in 2023, the lesson really that comes out of Joshua 23 is that we need to cling to Jesus. Now, you may ask the question, why do we need to cling to Jesus? I don't think that's wrong to ask that, but we need to like, why should I cling to Jesus? If you want to turn with me to Psalm 23, I think the answer to the question of why should we cling to Jesus, the big answer is this, there is only one leader that you and I can follow, you and I can walk behind, you and I can trust, you and I can cling to, who can truly satisfy us, who can truly help us through everything that comes at us in life. Psalm 23 in verse 1 says it this way, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, the idea of the second half of verse 1 is that I have everything I need. In fact, David wrote Psalm 23 to share with us that God, through his incredible goodness, will give his people what they need. You say, how can David make that claim? How can David go so far as say God can meet all those needs? Well, really quickly, I'm going to give you six reasons why, and I do mean quickly. One of my friends used to say, Lloyd, you try to preach so many sermons in one sermon. And in one sense, yes, that's what I'm doing. But I do mean I'm going to give you six quick reasons out of Psalm 23. Reason number one, why should we trust Jesus? Why cling to him? Quite honestly, because God refreshes us. That's really the message of verse two. God refreshes us. Reason two, God also restores our souls. I love the words that begin verse three. He restores my soul. Three. The second part of verse three is going to tell us that as our shepherd, God literally is going to direct us and guide us in the best way possible. He leads us according to paths of righteousness, right? According to his name's sake. He knows where we should go. He'll lead us there. Reason number four. As our shepherd, God's also present with us. That's really the message of verse four. Even in the toughest of places, even in the valley of the shadow of death, who's with us? He is. Then reason number five, why else should I cling to him? Well, because God is the one who gives us victory. The, the, really, the picture of verse five of Psalm 23 is a victory celebration. And God gives that to us. And then number six, reason six, God also pursues us with his goodness and mercy until he takes us home. He gives us all those things. You know, here's one of the things about us as people. There are all kinds of things that you and I can look to for satisfaction. One of the Protestant reformers, John Calvin, said that our hearts are idol factories. That you and I are really good at looking to all kinds of other things other than God to satisfy us. We all do it. But here's the thing. 
There is only one who can satisfy. There is only one who can meet us in those moments. And we know him by the name of Jesus. He is the only one. Clinging to Jesus in 2024 makes enormous sense when you and I consider how incredible a leader he is. So folks, Jesus literally can answer the why cling question because of who he is. That's why we cling to him. But maybe the next question then is, well, how do we cling to him? How do we actually do that? Well, the word cling is, is relational. In fact, that word cling translated in Joshua 23, 8 is used in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 to describe part of the marriage relationship. That kind of makes me think that clinging in 2024 is probably about doing things in a relationship, kind of doing things that help build a relationship. So you need to ask the question, well, what kinds of habits, what kinds of build and develop a relationship? Well, one of the things you can do to build and develop a relationship is have a conversation. Because it's used in a marital sense, I thought back to when Carrie and I started dating way back in 1985. It involved conversation. Well, here's the thing. I'd encourage you in 2024, you'd even start today and get a head start on it. But folks, things like reading the Bible and praying allows you and I to have a conversation with God. Now, please, do not hear me saying that I am trying to get you to fulfill some kind of religious duty, like a chapter a day keeps the devil away. That's not what I am saying. What I am saying is I want to encourage you to read the Bible, to pray, because that is a part of how God, I believe, invites us into a conversation with him. And we need that. We're going to build a relationship. Another habit that I think helps build a relationship is hanging out with that person and their family. Again, when Carrie and I started dating, what did it involve? It involved going to her house and being with her and being with her siblings. And I could, someday you need to ask me the story of the, my, my first meeting of her dad. Actually, technically it was the, well, second meeting of her dad. But you know what? If you're going to build a relationship, you've got to hang out together. So again, please do not hear me saying, here's what I'm going to tell you, you must do to fulfill your religious obligation. That's not what I'm saying. What I am telling you, based, I believe, on the authority of God's word in verses like Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, being in worship services, coming to equipping hour, being in a connection group, being with other followers of Christ, can help you and I build our relationship with Jesus, help us cling to Jesus. Now, those aren't the only spiritual habits you and I could do, things we can do. There's things beyond that, okay? Things like journaling, things like fasting, things like encouraging silence and solitude. There's other things you and I can do, and we need to do those things. Why? So we'll cling to Jesus. One of the things that 2023, I think, is repeatedly made clear to me is how much I need to cling to Jesus. And based on what Joshua 23, 8 says, based on the authority of God's word, I need you to hear this morning that you need to cling to Jesus. 
There is no other way. If you and I truly want to live as conquerors, we must. Which means if you want to apply this message, the question you and I need to answer is how can you build your relationship with Jesus in 2021? That is a hugely important question to answer. How can I build that? Approach number two. Approach number one needs to be a part of my life because I need to cling to Jesus. Approach number two is we need to do good works with Jesus. If you want to turn to Ephesians chapter two with me. I think one of the biggest challenges that we deal with for all of us is really to to deal with our bent toward being self-focused. See, if we're self-focused, it's very easy for us to Give in to things like complaining and whining because it's my life isn't how I want it. Wow, 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 wow. It's very easy to go there, right? Do not elbow your spouse right now. Do not look at your kids right now because they're looking at you. You know, I mean, we can go there. But here's the thing. If I'm complaining and whining, I am not being a contributing conqueror. I can't be both of those things. I think we need to understand, I need to understand, God wants us to be contributing conquerors. Why do I say that? Look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has a very clear purpose for his people. If you've trusted the Lord Jesus as your Savior, God has good works He prepared in advance for you to do. God has things for every one of His people to go and do. Now, please hear me carefully at this point. I don't think that means you and I should be running ragged, doing everything and all possible things we could do. I don't believe that's what it is. But rather, I believe, folks, It means when you and I start thinking about our calendars in 2024, we should be planning and scheduling into our lives time for serving. I think that means we need to ask ourselves, am I cramming my life so full of hobbies and activities that good works are at best an over, just a a side thought or worse, we don't have time for them because we're too busy doing other things. Folks, maybe we need to ask, what would be the impact in our lives and in the lives around us through our lives if we invested five hours a week outside of our job, outside of our family responsibilities, if we invested five hours a week in helping other people or serving in some way at church, what would that impact be? Because if God's calling us to do good works, maybe that's what he's calling us to do. You know, Ephesians 2.10 was another verse that challenged me as this year went on. See, God has created his people, you and me, in Christ Jesus for good works. And I need to ask the question, am I doing those good works? Do I get it that a big part of the purpose of my life 
It's about doing good works. Folks, given that, let me ask you this question. And I'm asking it, yes, in a way that's rhetorical, because I couldn't hear all of your answers all at the same time right now. But it is a question that I think, as one of the pastors, I need to hear your answer, and that is this. How can we help you as your church family live out that purpose? How can we help you live out those good works? Because if God's called us to that, we need to do that. If you and I are going to live as conquerors in 2024, we need to cling to Jesus. We need to do good works with Jesus. And then approach number three, the third thing we need to do is we need to share Jesus. If you want to turn to Matthew chapter 9 with me. Let me ask you to think about for a minute a couple of questions. One question would be this. What would be or what has been the message of your life in 2023? Second one, what will be the message of your life in 2024? Now, I'm not trying to be morbid or depressing this morning, but I want to talk about my parents' funerals for a minute or two. See, I had the privilege or the responsibility of speaking at both of my parents' funerals by their request. There was a sense in which I was entrusted to kind of share the final message of their lives, the final words they wanted said. Now, to be clear, I was given directives about exactly what they wanted said. My parents had planned and talked about their funerals 10 plus years before my dad died. And then after he died, my mom would talk with me every so often about her service. I was literally given both written and verbal directives as to what they wanted me to say. And in some ways, you could summarize their wishes, what they wanted communicated, the two Bible verses. One would be in Matthew chapter 9, in verse 36, where it says this. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Both of my parents knew what it was to be harassed and helpless. To, to be in a spot where they needed help, to be in a spot where they needed a shepherd, where they were a sheep and they didn't know what to do. In the goodness of God, they heard about the shepherd they needed and they trusted him. In essence, to go back to verses we'd already read, but to really quickly turn, they knew the other verse that they wanted, in a sense, communicated. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. See, because of the reality of those two verses, my parents gave me clear directives. My dad made it incredibly clear that I was to talk about him as a redeemed sinner and to talk about how he went from being a sinner, harassed and helpless, to being a redeemed sinner who met the shepherd so that he was in a place of, I shall not want. 
on January the 27th, 2008, when my dad was having major surgery, my mom wanted to talk about her funeral. She made it abundantly clear to me that morning, that actually at lunchtime, sitting in the kitchen of the house I grew up at, she told me how much she struggled to tell other people about the gospel, to tell people about Jesus. But she made it abundantly clear that that was my job, that at her funeral, I was to tell people about Jesus. Let me go back to those questions. If you want to turn to 2 Corinthians 5. Let me go back and ask you again, what has been the message of your life of 2023? And what will be the message of 2024? You know, as I thought through my answer to those questions, I realized that as 2023 unfolded, I, I found new ways of what it means to, to feel harassed and helpless, to feel like a sheep who's like, well, what do I do? How do I handle this? How do I function and operate? I mean, at different points in the year, I found myself asking, who can meet me at this point of harassment, of this point of helplessness? Whether it was hearing in the basically in the middle of the night, receiving the news that my mom had died. Whether it was being awake in the middle of the night in the hospital after my surgery. Or whether it was walking out of my parents' house the last time, the only place I had known, the one thing that had always been a part of my life. The house I knew I could always walk in the back door and I'd always be welcomed. And now I can't do that. Who's going to meet me at that moment? See, I pray that my message of 2023, the message of my life is, Jesus meets me there. That the message I pray has come through my life is when you are in those moments of, who's going to meet me there? The answer is, Jesus meets you there. He's waiting for you there. I pray that the message of my life in 2024 would be about telling other people about the good shepherd. Life in 2023 has stirred me to realize how much I need Jesus and how much I need to share Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18, and 18 to 20 say this. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. If you are a follower of Christ, God is calling you to share Jesus. 
It doesn't take a challenging year to know you need to share Jesus. God is calling us to do that. You know, as I prepared for my mom's funeral in April, I went back to that conversation in January of 2008. And I thought about her struggles with sharing about Jesus. And then I had to kind of do one of those sort of proverbial look in the mirror moments and realize I struggle at times to share Jesus. Which then made me ask, how many people do I know? People here at Central that maybe have the exact same challenge. We, we maybe know we're called to do it, but we struggle doing it. Carrie and I very much want to provide for everyone that calls Central home practical help in sharing Jesus. So in honor of my parents, we purchased 100 copies of this book, which I realize you can't see very well from where you are. But the book title, I can see it up there, Pray and Go. Your invitation to becoming a great commission Christian. The book is designed to be read over 30 days. It's really set up with sort of 30 chapters that are somewhere between five and seven pages and the print's pretty good size. So it doesn't take long to read, but it really is designed to help us think about, pray about, and then take steps toward the Great Commission. Now, Carrie and I have given out a chunk of books. We, we've got 79 left. And quite honestly, folks, we want to offer anyone who will take one this morning, one of these books. Now, I realize there's more than 79 people in the room, and so there's two sign-up sheets out there. One is for people we run out of books for, because we have made a commitment. We will purchase personally a book for every single person who wants one. Here's really what we're asking this morning. If you go out to the atrium and pick up one of the books after the service, I want to ask you, we want to ask you to put your name down on one of the sheets. And here's why we're asking. First is, we want to pray for you each day through January. I'm not demanding you read the book in January. I'm not expecting book reports to be handed in on February 1st. I'm not. But if you're going to read it, we want to pray for you. Second reason we're asking you to do that is there are some other resources connected to this book that we want to send you that hopefully will help you throughout 2024. And we kind of need to know who has the book to be able to do that, obviously. Why are we doing this? If you want to turn back to Matthew 9, why are we doing this? Two reasons. The first is our only hope the only hope of people in our lives, the only hope of people in our community is Jesus. The second reason why we're doing this is because Jesus is looking for his people to go into the harvest. We read Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Let me read verse 37 and 38, the next things that took place. Jesus saw the crowd, and then in verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. 
Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Okay, Jesus was calling his disciples for pray, to pray for people to go into the harvest. That's how he ends Matthew 9, with telling them to pray for that. And guess what he does at the very beginning of Matthew 10? He sends them. And folks, we need to understand, I need to understand, Jesus is still in the sending business. He is still wanting to send us because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. If you want to turn really quickly to Matthew 28. See, Matthew 28 is often labeled as a passage known as the great commandment. It kind of reminds us of what is he sending us to do? Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is calling us to go. And I pray that 2024 will very much be about us going and sharing the message of Jesus. I ask you to turn to one more passage in Matthew, Matthew chapter 11, that you and I, in essence, could extend the invitation Jesus extended when he said these words in Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. 2023 did not go the way I wanted it to go. And I'll be honest, I have no idea how 2024 is going to go. But I do know this because of what God's Word tells us. You and I can live and conquer as conquerors. Now, for that to be true, we need to have gotten to the place in life where we've repented of our sins and trust the Lord Jesus alone as Savior. See, if you've done that, then you are a conqueror. That's your identity. And to live out that identity, then, folks, you and I then need to cling to Jesus. We need to do good works with Jesus. And we need to share Jesus. He's calling each of us today to be conquered with him. My prayer for 2024 is that we will be the people God says we are that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Would you pray? Father, I thank you for your love and your mercy and your kindness. Father, I thank you that even if things in our lives are hard and difficult and challenging, your love does amazing things in our lives. 
Lord, you make us more than conquerors. Lord, I pray we are trusting you and realizing what we have. And I pray as we look to 2024, you would move in our lives to live that out for your honor and for your glory. And I pray, Father, we'd realize that as we cling to you, you touch us. You touch us in a way that empowers us then to do good works for you. And as we cling to you, you also empower us. You also give us a message to share. And I pray we would literally go from here realizing you are sending us to share your message, to invite people to come to you and to find rest. Lord, thank you for all that you do for us. In the very precious name of Savior, we pray.